0: Well, good morning. Um, I'm David Miller. For those of you that don't know me, and many of you don't, um, I had the uh, fortunate opportunity to teach at our small group leader training about two months ago, and I am uh, not sure, you know, what I've done to to be to ask to be uh, speaking today because I I haven't done anything, you know except I had a couple conversations with Will. And in light, though, of several of those conversations, and in light of what I had the privilege of speaking about at uh, the small group training, that has allowed me the privilege to, I guess, be here and talk some about that. And that flows beautifully into the things that we've been... Looking at in the Ten Commandments, and I hope to knock several of these out today. um, Not because each one isn't important, but because they all fall into a chunk. Um, A little bit about me, because we don't. Several of us have not had the uh, the privilege of getting to know each other. I am called by God into ministry when when I was 16 years old, and I'm I'm. Old. I'm not as old as, you know, some people would compare me. They're like, you're not old, but I feel older and smarter and wiser than I did then. Um, and it was a uh, kind of a whirlwind ride. I got to go to Louisiana College um, and get that ministry degree there. I got married while I was in college at a very young age of 20, 21, And then uh, my wife and I, at the time, decided to uh, go to Canada to pursue grad school there. Her brother-in-law was working at the seminary, and I knew I needed to go to seminary. So it was either going there or going to to, uh, the New Orleans Baptist Seminary. Anyway, um, long story short, that was 2005, if I had gone to New Orleans in 2005, I would have been displaced very quickly after starting seminary uh, because of Katrina, so that threw the New Orleans Baptist Seminary into disarray for a year, at least, and I had a friend who was going there, and he has not been back you know, since then, so it was a, a wonderful time of growing, but because I'd gone to Louisiana College, because I got a religious education degree seminary was a cakewalk Um, it legitimately I didn't have to really study or do anything except go to class and write papers it was a cakewalk but I got to do that in Calgary Um, for those of you that have never been there it's a city of about a million and a half people and it is some would call it the Texas of Canada the most the most the Bible Belt of Canada, but I use air quotes there because the Bible Belt of Canada compared to the Bible Belt of the United States, there's not the cultural Christianity, again air quotes, that we have here. So because of that, there was a lot of people that I got to interact with and a lot of people that I got to impact because they just didn't know Jesus, and I did. And it was a wonderful opportunity to get to know... you hundreds of people because of the circumstances. Long story short, finished seminary, had a couple kids, went back to Canada um, after a hiatus in central Louisiana, having my daughter here, go back to Canada to church plant, and um, since this is being recorded, my wife and I had a difference of opinion about what was important in life, and she decided to take some steps to remove certain things from my life that I then had to go and pursue. And um, long story short there, uh, if you ever want to hear that story, we should get together and have coffee or a meal or play a game or something like that in a situation and circumstance where it is more um, adequate than this. But my life group knows that story, so um, they're privileged to be able to some of these pieces together a little bit. But she, uh, she and I are no longer together because of that, and I have custody of our children, and um, they're living with Julie and I. And so after that whirlwind of life, that huge debacle, um, God was still faithful, and God provided me with someone who would be in and a part of my life as my wife, because I enjoyed being married. Being married was pretty awesome, and I thought I did an okay job. Um, But now uh, Julie and I are together, and Julie loves my children as much as I love my children, and uh, God was very faithful in that. So because of that whirlwind, however, because I was in Canada and getting thrust back into life in central Louisiana and single parenting and having a long-distance relationship with the woman who would become my wife, Um, I have not had the opportunity to be in front of people doing this since uh, before 2013. So that's a long time, man, To, to not be in your element, doing the things that you love to do and getting to speak to awesome people like you. So, that's a little bit about me, with a lot of blanks. Um, so that the names can be changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> um, with that though, the, uh, the opportunity to speak today, we're speaking about something that's very important to me, and very near and dear to my heart. Um, and that is our relationship with each other and with people in general. Because that is my heart are other people and in the last two weeks we've been talking about what it means to take god's name in vain and we talked about making that name of god a frivolous thing we talking we talked about making that name worthless with our words and actions Um, but all the while seeing that through the lens of grace and when i think about taking the name of god in vain I think about physically taking that and bringing it somewhere because that name is a part of who I am. And throughout all of scripture, you find that names are super important. And taking that with you, that makes that a part of who you are. And so when we take the name of God, when we become his child and become one of his own, we take that name. And I never thought about that in reference to being the bride of Christ, but, you know, the church being the bride of Christ, we take the name of God. And so in that, that has a huge impact on our relationship with other people. That has a huge impact on who we are. And so... Today, as we skip over the, the Sabbath commandment, not because it isn't important, but because we'll circle back around and do it next week, we're going to think about how God wants us to behave in relation to each other. And so we're looking at Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus, I'll talk about Genesis again in a minute, but Exodus 20, 17 to seven, uh, 12 to 17, Exodus 20, 12 to 17, and these are the six commandments uh, in relation to other people. Honor your father and mother, then you, will live in a long, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. And so then concludes the sixth commandments in relation to other people. And when we compare ourselves to this, man, I think we come out pretty good because I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. Um, I don't lie much anymore. When I was a kid, I lied more than I do now. So that's good. Um, I don't covet my neighbor's house or his wife or his servants, because my neighbor doesn't have any servants or his ox or his donkey. Lucky there because he doesn't have anything. Um, Right. And so, when we, when we read these, sometimes we distance ourselves from them. And we're like, we see ourselves and we try to puff ourselves up and make ourselves feel like, well, good thing I've got nothing to worry about, I'm doing okay. However, in the New Testament, when Jesus uh, was asked what the greatest commandment is, he, re- he reiterates the importance of these commandments, these ten And the first four, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, That's the first four commandments. If we are loving God with everything that we are, then we are not going to be breaking those big four. If we are loving God with everything that we are, then we are then abiding with him and spending time with him and doing the things that connect us to who he is and when we do that we are loving him and we're not going to be taking his name in vain we're not going to make the sabbath day something that it's not we're not going to um, put anything before him we won't because we are loving him and he said the second one is like it and when we hear the second one is like it we we often take that and we go Bump it right under. However, some translations of scripture say, but the second one is equally important. Okay? And that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's in Matthew chapter 22 36 to 40, if you're taking notes and wanted to circle, you know, something important to go back and look at. So with that, the big the big thing with these Ten Commandments, we love God and we love people. Okay? I mean, that is the, the brass tacks. We love God and we love people. We don't exist in a vacuum as believers. We exist in a world. We exist with other people. And God has an intention for his people. There's a reason that we exist. And our behavior in relation to one another is what marks us as a different, peculiar people. That's what makes us holy. Okay? This is not some humanitarian Tower of Babel effort to make us look great. This is the chance to join God in what he's already doing and make a difference in the lives of others. So while I was uh, living in Canada for the nine years that I was there, I had an awesome opportunity to be a part of a great church. And I know that some of those people are going to probably listen to this later, and because of that, I'm... Tapestry Church was God's church in Western Canada as far as I was concerned. And here's why. I drove a car from Louisiana to Canada. That's how I got there. So that when I got to Canada, I would have a vehicle to use while I was there to live and do life and drive around. But because of the wear and tear on the tires, it was a mess to drive, and it was probably dangerous to be driving that car in in Canada, where the roads get icy, and you know, people are they have tires for that, you know, and so it's not safe for me to drive and and bump around to all these places that I would want to go. And so I was a part of a life group in Calgary much like my life group here. And those people, they didn't know me. They had no business uh, doing anything for me. But when they saw the tires on my car, I, they made me a priority. And Josh, the guy who was in charge of that life group, took a collection within the life group without me knowing, And then he took me and my car physically to get the tires changed. And of course, things are more expensive in Canada than they are here. And so it was no cheap effort to get that done. But I was a priority to him. In the same way, um, because of the relationship I have with the people that are in my life group here, they are a priority to me. And that's why it's very important that we speak to each other so that we can speak into each other's lives, not just with wisdom, but with practical application, like getting somebody a set of tires. So they had no business caring about me, though, these people. These wonderful, awesome people had no business caring about me. And that same mentality that I had right there is the same mentality that many of us have in relation to allowing others to help us. We are very guarded and that is not biblical. In fact, nothing about that is biblical. To be a guarded person prevents others from blessing you. To be a guarded person prevents you from blessing them. And when I say I was going to go back to, to Genesis, before all this Exodus stuff happened, God called Abraham, okay? And before they were pulled out of Egypt, God called Abraham. And he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. But here's Abraham's part. That was God's stuff, okay? God's, God's job was to bless those who blessed Abraham and to curse those who cursed him. That's God's That's God's stuff. Abraham's job, and all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. That's Abraham's job. Abraham's job was to go out and be a blessing to others. That's that's his job. And when I read these six, I think about that, and look, all the other people in the world um, at the time they may not have treated their parents so great and their families so great. So all those other folks may have uh, treated their parents poorly, but the people of God honored theirs. And all of those other people may have been immorally sexual creatures, but the people of God aren't. And all of those other people may steal from each other, but the people of God don't. And all of those other people may lie to each other, but the people of God don't. And all of those people may have been insanely jealous of each other, but the people of God aren't. And so, what marks that life group that I got to attend as holy was blessing me. What marks the people of Israel as holy was their behavior in relation to others because everybody else may have acted that way, but they don't. They don't have that that freedom necessarily to act like that they could act like that but then they're not going to be seen as holy anymore so their behavior mattered in relation to each other in fact in john 13 as if our 10 commandments weren't enough uh jesus said i'm giving you a new one love each other just as i loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples okay So, in today's world, I mean, this is practical stuff. And in today's world, people need to see us doing that. They need to see us loving each other. That is kind of the most important thing, okay? Jesus is not walking around right now. He's not coming into our church, you know, in robes and sandals and being physically in this room. Jesus is not walking the streets of central Louisiana, physically, in bodily form, doing his thing. He's not. But you are. And if you're taking the Lord's name with you, if you're walking in him, you then stand in the place of Jesus in relation to others. You are the hands and the feet of God. And I find that insanely comforting. That's our job. That's what we do. In the same way that God blessed Abraham and told him to be a blessing, that's what we do. We love each other. Um, I had the, uh, the awesome opportunity in Life Group Paul Ellington was talking about a notebook where he could write a digital notebook like on digital paper where he could write and it would save things to the cloud. And as he's talking about it, I'm like, well, there's no reason that he can't have that. There's no reason. So while he's talking about it, I'm just getting on Amazon. I'm getting it and getting it sent to his house because that's, just, that's what we do. That's, we take care of each other. And if it's going to help him be more efficient and do his job better, then that's important to me. Because he's a priority to me. And I don't say that to puff me up, but that shouldn't surprise us. Okay? Like, that's the kind of thing where if you're like, man, David, you're so cool. You're awesome. I hope you overhear me saying something I want too. You know, if you're thinking that, like, that shouldn't surprise us, though. Like, that's what we do, that's who we are. We take care of each other. That's important. So that's why we're here. That's why we exist. And this isn't just necessarily in relation to each other as Christians, but it's it's how we look and how we act in relation to anybody that calls themselves a person. Um. In fact, it's how we act and think in relation to anybody who calls themselves a dragon, okay? Because, and some of you are laughing because you've heard this story, but not everybody has. I had a friend that I got to play games with in Canada named Rob. Rob will never listen to this, so I am perfectly okay. Um, But Rob believes that he's a dragon, okay? Okay? No, no, really, he believes he's a dragon, like, legitimately, a dragon in a human body walking the earth, okay? So, and I know what you're thinking, because I thought it too, dude. So, that's in case he uh, does listen to it, maybe, perhaps, one day. But he, uh, he also was insanely depressed, okay? That's the reality of his life. He was insanely depressed as a person. And he believed that nobody thought he was important at all. And to most people, he probably wasn't. But to me, he was a priority. And because of that, I took something that he said on social media very seriously. He decided that he was just going to put it out there that um, suicide was probably going to be an option for him. And I knew where Rob lived. So now I have a responsibility to Rob because he's a priority to me. So I go and I find him. And I am I, he's in one of those kind of apartments like where the door to the front is locked and you can't get in unless you've got a code. So I just stood out in front and waited until someone left or came in and I followed them inside because Rob wasn't going to answer his, uh, a call to go in. And I just started beating on his door and beating and beating and beating. And at the, uh, after you know, several minutes of this, eventually he came to the door. And when I get into this dude's house, it is a mess. And I don't mean you're like, oh, my house is a mess too. No, 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 this dude's house was a mess. I mean, there were hundreds of discarded food containers everywhere. There were probably about a hundred, literally two liter Coke bottles scattered everywhere. Food was half eaten like in containers. It was just a disgusting thing. Um, There was, I remember this vividly. There was a block of Kraft single slices but not the good kind the cheap kind where they're not individually wrapped but they're all like cut in different ways opposite of each other so you can peel it off and that's what he had been eating for dinners just that and it was a terrible place to be disgusting and i can't help but think that the condition of that home was probably the same as the condition of this guy's heart it was terrible A terrible, like a, a in front of my face, visual of what I was looking at inside of him. You know, like, it was just awful. I sat down with him and began to pour myself out to him to let him know how important I felt he was. As a person. Not as a dragon. As a person. As the person in front of me right now, Rob. You have value, you know? And just speaking truth into his life. Truth like you matter to somebody. So you can't just throw this nonsense up onto social media and expect nobody to come. But he did. He expected nobody to show up. And if I wouldn't have shown up, no one would have. No one would have been there to show him and tell him that he is a priority, that he is important, that he matters to somebody. And I had hung out with Rob for years before that, so I, had, I knew I had the authority to speak truth into his life. He knew this wasn't just lip service. I wasn't just some random dude walking into his house. So with that, I got to share the gift of Jesus and who Jesus is. And I left him with a moment of decision. You know, now you have to decide. Are you going to follow this thing that I've told you about who Jesus is or not and he didn't okay I know that you're like this story doesn't have a happy ending David he didn't he didn't follow Jesus but that's God's stuff it's God's job to bless those who bless me and curse those who curse me it's my job to be a blessing so I wasn't offended I took no affront to him in fact because of what I saw in front of me in that room, his house and his life became a priority. And over the next several days, we went about cleaning that nonsense up that I saw, okay? And after that, he had a clean house and he kept it relatively clean up until the day he had to move out. So all that to say, like, When I do something like that, it shows people that they they matter and that they're a priority. And that is this last six set of commandments. That's loving somebody the way we love ourselves. Because I wouldn't let myself live like that. And so why would I allow him to do that, you know? So this this is all very important stuff, like... I said to myself, I wasn't going to bring this piece of scripture into my message, but then it's here. So I'm going to read it. It's long, but it kind of follows what Will touched on last week, and it's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, and I'm going to read to 46. And this I'm reading out of the New Living, if that matters to you, and you want to make sure you pump up the same scripture onto your phone. Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one to forty-six. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels are with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered into his presence. That's us. And he will separate the people like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right and the goats on his left. Then he will say to those then the king will say to those on his right. Or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? They didn't even know they were doing that for him. That was me, that's not scripture. Uh, verse 40 And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And there's an exclamation point there. Like he's excited to judge them as righteous because of the way they treated people. Verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, your cursed ones, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick? or in prison and did not help you. And I can't help but think that they're pleading at this point. And, he's an, and he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, for the right, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Okay? That's hard scripture. That's tough stuff. And I'm not discounting that. When we are abiding in Christ, when we're walking on the journey with him day by day, we're going to see opportunities. We're going to see people. So see the people. It's our our job to see them the way that Jesus does. Believers and unbelievers alike. You have been put into your skin for a purpose. You have been put into your skin for a purpose. And you have relationships with other people that no one else in this world has. And only you showing them love will allow them to see who Jesus is. And only you know what it looks like to show them love. Whoever they are. I've been to churches where the congregation wishes that the pastor would come and visit such and such. But that's why you're here. You're here for those. You're here for the least of these. Everybody that you impact is somebody that you are impacting with the name of Jesus because that's who you are. You took his name when you said yes. And because of that, they are blessed because of you. Because of that exciting journey that you're going on with God, they're going to see him in a new light. Because of what the Lord is doing in you. And I think that's a pretty great thing. And I think that's pretty stinking encouraging because that's who God is. God knew what he was doing when he put you here. And I may not know you, but he does. And he put those people in your life, that person that you're thinking of, it is impossible for them to ever come to know God. That's God's stuff. Let him worry about that you bless them and you bless their socks off you bless the nonsense out of them like that is what you do and you know how to do it we're really good at making the people that know us like angry like we're good at that we know how to push their buttons but we also know the things that they love And nobody knows those things better than you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to stand before your people and deliver your word. God, you are amazing. And I thank you, Lord, for your scripture. God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I pray that because of you, that... We would not leave here the same people. But God, we would go out being a blessing. And we trust you with them. God, thank you for them. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.